0: Today it is Father's Day, the day that we as a nation set aside to honor fathers, where Mother's Day was most likely started by Hallmark to sell cards, uh, probably Father's Day was started by Aquavelva to sell Aftershave. Uh, I thought it was kind of funny this week, I was reading and I found this, uh, this year, 2019, uh, 1596 Billion billion will be spent on Father's Day gifts. Uh, The average gift is $139 per dad. And I read that and thought, wow, my guys are going to have to step it way up from where we've been. Um, What I thought was interesting is in 2019, $25 billion was spent on Mother's Day gifts, $196 per mother. And I thought, Carrie's been getting gypped all these years as well. 2019, the the list of top Father's Day gifts. And I thought this was kind of interesting. It does uh, match our day. Uh, The top Father's Day gifts for 2019. uh, The first, number one place is a a Father's Day card. Uh, very quick and easy, a Father's Day card. Then some other things in in descending order, a dinner out, uh, sports tickets, or a round of golf. Uh, Clothing is still big. Here's kind of interesting a tie still leads the category for, for clothing that's good. A tie or shorts and t shirts. Uh, gift cards, you can choose your own thing evidently. Uh, electronics are popular. Smart watches lead that list. Uh, tablets following that. Here's one that I think is kind of funny garden supplies and lawn equipment. Uh, my dream is to come home and someone say, like, Here, here's a rake. Or hedge trimmers. Get a clue. Here's some hedge trimmers. Uh, Personal care products. These are kind of funny. Uh, Still a major category in Father Day gifts. Uh, Aftershave. There will still be a half billion dollars spent on aftershave today. Uh, Soaps. Hey, Dad, it's time to take a bath. (laughs) Electric razors. Ear, nose, hair trimmers. And I guess you're going to use your hedge trimmer for your back. <laughs> All of these gifts to honor our dads. All of these gifts, $15, 16000000000 billion uh, to honor our dads. And let me just tell you, we should honor our dads. Because, Dad, let me tell you this. And I'm very serious. I want you to hear me today. You may be the most influential person on the planet. And I want you to hear that. You very well may be, in God's design, the most influential person on the planet. Now, Satan doesn't like that. Satan doesn't want you to know that. The world wants to downplay that. But, Dad, you very well could be the most influential person on the planet. All of the research, study after study after study after study, secular and religious, show that for good or for bad, As goes the dad, so goes the home. And as goes the home, so goes the society. Study after study, secular, religious, the evidence for that is very strong. Dad, understand today, your influence is immeasurable. Let me tell you today, one of the reasons we have invested so heavily in our men's power lunch here at Calvary Baptist Church is because I truly believe the greatest thing would be that our men would be trained and equipped and led by the word of God. And so listen, yes, today we want to honor our fathers, possibly the most influential people on the earth. Today our verses are found in Mark chapter five, verses 21 through 24, and then we're gonna jump to verses 35 through 43. This is the account of Jairus' daughter. Uh, I'm gonna teach through these verses and then I'm gonna come back and apply it to us this Father's Day. Our message today is entitled The Faithful Father. The Faithful Father. Again, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, and then verses 35 through 43. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter five, beginning here in the 21st verse, and God's word says this. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. And then, jumping to verse 35, while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any more? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the synagogue official. And he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him. But putting them out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which translated means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the little girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that something should be given her to eat. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for you as our Heavenly Father, the only perfect Father. We lift you up and we, we exalt you. We, we tell you you're marvelous and you're mighty and we are astonished with you, We're so thankful for our Savior, Jesus Christ, our hope, our Redeemer, our Savior, the only way that we have any access to the Father, through our King Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for your word today, and I pray that we would be faithful to it. I pray that as, as we study it, as we consider it, that again on this day, that you would speak through your word. Lord, I pray for a church to be instructed today. I pray for homes to be blessed today. I pray for dads to be equipped today. And I pray that in all of that, that Jesus Christ will be known and glorified today. Lord, we come today and we just worship you. We praise you. We do thank you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let's go very quickly to our verses this morning. To set the context today, Jesus at this point has begun his ministry, his earthly ministry. After his baptism there in the Jordan River, after his period of temptation, he has called the disciples and now he has begun his earthly ministry. He is teaching and preaching very simply that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, he is the Savior sent from God. And I want you to be very sure that is Jesus's message. He doesn't have several messages. He didn't come to impart moral goodness to us. He came to tell us he is the Messiah and then to go to the cross and secure our redemption. So his earthly ministry has begun and he is proclaiming he is the Savior. He is the Christ. He is using the Old Testament scriptures to, concern, to con to convince them of his Messiahship. And that is his message. Now, for just a second, think about how crazy, how radical that message was. Hundreds of years, they've been looking for the Messiah. Generation after generation after generation, they've been looking for the Savior that would be sent from God. The, the prophets had foretold of this Messiah. Now, Jesus of Nazareth. He has a name. A, a, a mere carpenter's son is proclaiming to them, This is me. I am, I am the Messiah. I am the one that God has promised. That is a very radical claim. That is a very, really absurd claim. Now, part of his ministry to confirm his message, to validate his claims. He is doing many miraculous things, and as we read through the gospel accounts, we see that these miraculous things, these signs and wonders, accompany his ministry. Showing his power, showing his position, showing his authority, he is casting out demons, and he is healing the sick. Well, understand, as he takes his earthly ministry, as he travels around, proclaiming that he is the Messiah and doing these great miraculous events, crowds are growing. You can imagine, crowds are growing. There is a a great curiosity. Have you heard about the man who says he's the Savior, the man that says he's the Messiah? Have you heard about the healings, the miraculous things, the the demons that are being cast out? And there is a buzz surrounding Jesus. There is an excitement surrounding Jesus. Jesus. And that is where we find Jesus today. He had crossed over the Sea of Galilee and a great demonstration of his power, he casts out demons out of a man and now he has returned back across the Sea of Galilee. And that's where we find Jesus in our verses today. And that, that leads us to verse 21 and here we start. Verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again, In the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. Jesus crosses back over the Sea of Galilee. He is probably most likely in the town of Capernaum. And when he gets there, when he arrives on the seashore... There already is a large crowd, and again, this is becoming the norm. This is the the normal thing. But as he as he arrives back from his miraculous event over there, as he as he arrives back, there is again a huge crowd, a large crowd, and the Bible says they are pressing in on him. Well, he doesn't push into him. He doesn't try to make his way. He stays by the seashore. And so, as he arrives, and the crowd is there, he stays there. By the seashore, verse twenty-two. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him, Jesus fell at his feet. One of the synagogue officials translates another understanding is a ruler of the synagogue, the local worship center there, the the local synagogue. He is a ruler of the synagogue, one of a couple of guys uh, that oversaw the schedule, the setup, the maintenance, and really the running of the synagogue, one of, the, of a couple of guys that had this task. And so understand, this is a respected leader. This is a well-thought-of position. This is an esteemed position. This is no small thing. Now, more than that, his position is well known throughout the community. And so they would recognize this is the man, that's the ruler at the synagogue. He's the one that has this position. And so they would have recognized him in this esteemed position. I love that. Mark gives his name. His name is so I love that Mark attaches his name. He's not just a random guy. He's not an anonymous person. His name is Jairus. And the Bible says here that seeing Jesus, Jairus fell at his feet. Verse 23. And implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. Now, the word for implore him literally translates and it's basic understanding, he begged him. Now I want you to understand the, the, the heaviness of that. He begged him, he begged him. The word earnestly translates deeply or, or its best translation is much. And so it literally says he begged much, He begged much. I want you to see the picture here. Jairus comes and he falls down at Jesus' feet and he begs him much. He begs much there at the feet of Jesus. Now he's saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. Now he comes and he begs much. Oh, my little daughter, my little daughter is sick and she's near death and oh, that you would come and you would lay your hands on her that she would be made well. A couple things I love about this account and one of them is that he says, my little daughter. Ooh, I've got a little daughter. Verse 42 tells us his daughter was was 12 years old. She wasn't a baby anymore. She was no longer a toddler there banging around the house. She, She was a young lady. She's 12 years old. But she's still his little daughter. Listen, I can feel that in my heart. Sarah Jo is now 16 in a few weeks. She's going to be 17 years old. And whenever I see her, every day that I see her, I look at her little face and it's still my little daughter. Still the little girl, I couldn't wait to go in her room and, and she'll be standing there in her crib just banging around and her little onesie wanting you to pick her up and lift her out of that crib. Well, Jerry, says, oh, my little daughter, my little daughter is dying at home. It's, it looks like it's not gonna be far away. Oh, Jesus, that you would come and you would put your hands on her and hit her. Oh, my little girl, my little daughter, she's gonna die. Oh, Lord, my little daughter. Verse 24, and he, Jesus, and he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Now here they go. Jesus hears his pleas, and Jesus starts to begin to make their way. They begin to make their way to the man's house. And as they try to make their way, it says that this crowd, this, this crazy crowd, this mob goes with them. Now, I was thinking about that. This huge crowd, if you think about it, some of them probably couldn't even hear that conversation Some of them were so far back, so many many people were moved. They couldn't hear the conversation that had just taken place. And so most likely they don't even know where we're going. Jesus and this Jairus, they begin to make their way. And so the crowd begins to move and the crowd just begins to go. Do you know where we're going? I, I don't know. Did you hear where we're going? I don't know. Somebody said somewhere else. And the crowd doesn't even know where they're going. But still they press in on Jesus and they begin to go with him. Verses 25 through 34 is the account of Jesus healing a woman on the way. Now, it's a, it's a pretty great account. They're on the way, and, and this event actually happens. And on the way, uh, this woman touches the hem of his garment, and she's healed. It's, it's a tremendous account. But as Jesus stops to deal with that woman, can you for just a second imagine jarius can you imagine that he comes and he falls at the feet of jesus oh my little daughter my little daughter's gonna perish she's gonna die it's not very long oh that you would come and you would heal her and the master says let's go and they begin to make their way but can you imagine as jesus stops as the procession stops and he begins to deal with this woman i imagine jarius as they're talking he he can't help but keep looking down the road toward his house We've got to get going. We've got to go. Time is short. And he looks back at Jesus. And then he looks down the road towards his house. And and he looks at Jesus. And and Jesus is talking there. And he looks back down the road toward his house. Time is short. She didn't have long to live. Oh, we've got to get going. And there's got to be panic in his heart as he watches Jesus. And he's thankful that he's going. But he looks back towards his house, towards his daughter. Oh, we've got to get going. And he looks down the road and he sees some of the folks that were at his house. They're coming towards him. But they're not urgent. They're not running. In fact, they're probably walking. He sees those. He looks towards Jesus. He looks down the road and he sees some of those. Oh, they were at my house and they're walking towards him. But there's no urgency in their step. Verse 35. While he was speaking, still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? Jairus, there's no need now. Jairus, your daughter has died, your your little daughter, your joy, your little girl has died. There's nothing we can do now, Jairus. Why bother the teacher? Verse 36. But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, do not be afraid any longer, only believe. I wonder how long Jairus had been afraid. When she was sick, when his little girl got sick, how long had it been since she'd been sick? I wonder how long he had been afraid when he realized it was going to be no little thing, and his little girl's pride and joy is laying there, and it appears that she's going to die. They don't have a remedy for this. I wonder how long he had been afraid when all of the remedies had passed and come and we've we've sent for the doctor and we've tried the medicine and we've tried all the things that we know to try, but she's there. I wonder how long he had been afraid. How long could he not rest? How long had, had there been knots in his stomach? How long had it been since anything in his life had truly mattered? I wonder how long he'd been afraid. Jesus says, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. Verse 37. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Verse 38. And they came to the house of the synagogue official and he saw a commotion. I've seen a commotion like that. And and he saw a commotion and people were were loudly weeping and they were wailing. There was death in the house. The the little girl died and there's a commotion and they're, they're crying and they're weeping and they're wailing, verse 39. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died but is asleep, Verse 40. They began laughing at him. But putting them all out, he took the child's father. Look at that title. He took the child's father, not a synagogue official. He took the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. They, they began laughing. Listen, they know dead. They knew she was dead. And so he comes in and says, Wow, the commotion She's not dead. She's asleep. They knew what dead looked like. This guy's crazy. This guy's out of his mind. I don't know what we've heard about him, but he's not not logical. Jesus puts him out. Verse 41. And taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which translated means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Mark, when he recounts it, puts the actual words of Christ, that's Aramaic. He puts the actual words of Christ. Talitha kum, little girl, I say to you, get up. Verse 42, immediately the girl got up and began to walk for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. She doesn't get a little better. She doesn't sit up and and decide to take a sip of something. She gets up and she begins to walk and immediately they were completely astounded. Verse 43, And and he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and he said that something should be given her to eat. Now, friends, be sure today, this event was confirming who Christ is. This event is confirming he's the Messiah. It points out here he has the power even over death. He is is powerful even over death. It powerfully declares he is our hope. You've been looking for the hope. He is our hope. He is the Messiah, the Savior from God. That That is the message of these verses. That is the message of this event. But today on Father's Day, I want us to see, I want us to look at a few things about this dad, Jairus. Now, I don't want you to be confused. The point of these verses is Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Savior. But today on Father's Day, I want us to see a few things about this dad, Jairus. And so I'm gonna ask if you'd go with me as we move back through this. Listen very carefully. The first thing we see In this dad, the first thing we see is this his position could not help her. His position could not help her. He is esteemed, he has position, all the people knew who he was, he had a respected job, he is successful there in this town. But be sure today, on this day, it meant Absolutely nothing. Men, I want you to hear me this morning. Chasing and conquering the things of this world will matter not one bit to the spiritual life of your children. Friend, be sure today you can do it all and you can have it all, but it will not matter one bit to the spiritual foundation that you build for your kids. Not one bit. On this day, his position meant Nothing. Oh, that he could go and cast an order. Oh, that he could do something. Oh, that his clout would have had some kind of value. But on this day, his position meant nothing. So the first thing we see about this dad, his position could not help her. Second thing we see about this dad, he knew who Jesus was. He Knew who Jesus was. Now think about that as we pass through the account. Think about that this morning. How did he know who to go see? How did he know who to go find? How did he know whose feet to fall at? How did he know who to beg, to implore for help? Understand he somehow, maybe he had heard him somewhere. Maybe he'd become familiar with him sometime in the past. Maybe he had heard somebody else speak of his claims that he was the Messiah, but however it was, however it happened, he knew who Jesus was. Oh, dad, listen to me today. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know that he's the promised hope of all the ages? Do you know he's the son of God and as the son of God, he's able to save? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know he's the lamb of God who takes your sin and he bears it to the cross? He carries it for you. He wears your shame. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know he's the risen savior? Not some superstition, not some church hype. He's the risen savior that one day he walked out of a grave and he was actually physically resurrected from the dead. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know he's the king of kings, that he reigns today, that he rules from glory? Do you know that he's coming again, that one day he himself, that he's going to step out of heaven and there's going to be the shout, the voice of an archangel, a trumpet's going to sound and he's coming for his people. Do you know who Jesus is today? Men, do you know who Jesus is? Do you know Jesus? And it goes one better. We see in this dad. His position couldn't help him. We see that he knew Jesus. And the third thing we see is this. His trust was in Jesus. His trust was in Jesus. Isn't that the same thing? Isn't that the same thing? Let me tell you, not at all. Not at all. I want you to notice here. He comes and he begs. It says that he begs much. I don't know that we understand the the depth of that. He falls on the ground and he begs much. Oh, my little girl, my little daughter, she's dying. Oh, that you would come. My daughter is dying. And he begs much. But see this. In verse 23, here's what he says. My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come, listen to this, and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. So that she will get well and live. Friends, I want you to see this, he knew Jesus, yes. He knew Jesus, but more than that, he trusted Jesus. He had total faith in Jesus, and it wasn't that nothing else hadn't worked, and so he might as well try this. It wasn't that there's nothing left to do. I've got nothing to lose, and so we'll try this. No, it's not that at all. He says, Lord, if you would but come and touch her, she will get well and live. He trusted Jesus. Let me tell you something. I'm afraid today we have a whole lot of dads and I'll just open it up. We have a whole lot of people who know Jesus but very few people who can say, you know what? I trust Jesus as my Lord in every and all things. Jesus, I trust you. This guy, Jarius is broken hearted. This guy, Jarius is, is hurting, but he trusted Jesus. Can I trust him? Can I trust his word? The world's laughing at it. Can we trust his word? Can we trust him when it seems hard? Can we, we trust him when it seems to be too costly? Oh, we're gonna have to go against everything in this world. It seems to be a, a too heavy of a cost to pay. Can we trust him then? Can we trust him when we don't understand? Lord, I don't see where you're leading. I don't see how this is makes any sense. I don't see how it's ever going to pan out. But do we trust him? Can we trust him then? He trusted Jesus. What a tremendous thing. Lord, if you'll but come, she will be well and live. He trusted Jesus. And that brings us to the last thing we see in this dad. The last thing we see in this dad, Jerius. and it is my hope, it is my hope, it is my prayer for all of us as dads. It is my, it is my strongest hope that this would be us as dads. The last thing we see in Jerius, the last thing we see is this. In the influence of the dad, Jesus saved this girl. Now, if you haven't heard anything I've said up to this point, then I'm going to ask that you'd sit up and you'd listen at this point. Listen to me very carefully. The likelihood that a person will be saved is eight times higher before the age of 18. In fact, listen to this. Most people that leave your home unsaved will never be saved. Most people who leave your home unsaved, they will never have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, these are the statistics. These are what the studies show. Those that leave your home past the age of 18 and they leave and they go into the world and they do not know Jesus Christ, they will be most likely lost. And the greatest influence on a child's faith getting saved And the greatest influence on their life after being saved is the influence of the dad. Now, I want you to hear that very carefully. I want you to listen to that again. The greatest influence on a child's faith getting saved and the greatest influence on their life after being saved is the influence of the dad. Men, what else could matter more than that? Men, why would we mess around with anything else but that? Listen to me today dad, you lead your home, you do it. You lead your home, you lead your bride, you lead your kids, you read the Bible in your house, you study the Bible in your home, you pray in your home, you lead them to God's church to be active there, you build the foundation in your home what else is gonna matter you do it dad my favorite part of this whole account Jarius comes and he brings his daughter's cause before the Lord he does he doesn't trust anybody else to do it He comes and he brings his daughter's cause before the Lord. He invests, he pleads, he cries out, he runs to the Lord and he brings his daughter's cause before Jesus. And I can't help but hear him as he does it. My little daughter, oh, my little daughter, my little girl, my joy, she's going to hurt if it weren't for Jesus. She's going to perish apart from Jesus. She'll be lost apart from Jesus. And Jesus says, Talitha kum, to the dad who says, my little girl, my little girl, Jesus says, little girl, get up and walk. Oh, dear God, help us be those type of dads. Help us be the type of dad that bring our kids calls before the Lord and pray for those kids and understand, you know what? I've got to set the foundation. I'm gonna read the Bible. I'm gonna tell the Bible to them. I'm gonna pray with them. Oh, I'm not gonna let anybody else do it. I'm gonna tell them about Jesus. That we would be those type of dads. God, forgive us where we fail. We do. God, show us grace where we've messed it up. We have. But dear God, don't leave us there. Help us to be that dad. Jarius takes his daughter's cause to the Lord. Men, why would we forfeit that to anybody else? Why would we trust that to anybody else? May we be as faithful of a father. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and I'm thankful for your grace shown to sinners. I'm thankful for your forgiveness shown to us as we sin, as we rebel against you. I'm thankful for our redemption paid at the cross of Calvary. I'm thankful we get a clean slate by faith in Christ, the eternal life by faith in Christ fellowship with a holy, awesome God by faith in Christ. Lord, I I praise you for that. I thank you for that. I pray for some in this room that haven't had that settled. That maybe they would come and say, oh, I know about Jesus. They don't trust him. Maybe they've come and they've never heard these truths. Maybe they've never heard the gospel clearly, but, but they're here today and they're outside of a relationship with Christ. Lord, I pray that you stir in their hearts that the gospel would ring true in their minds. That today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I I pray today for for parents and some mothers that are having to act like dads. I pray for parents and some grandparents that are having to act like moms and dads. I pray that you empower us, that you lead us, that you use us, that you show us grace in the process. That our kids, would know the word of God stands as truth and it points to the living word, Jesus, the truth. Lord, I pray especially for dads today in this room. I pray that there would be a burning in our stomach that wouldn't go out, a backbone that would stand up strong and and stand on our own two feet and say, Lord, forgive me where I've been off track, but, but today I draw a line in the sand and I will be that dad. I will close that gap. I will lead those prayers. I will lead my wife. I will lead those kids. We will stand upon your word. Help us as dads. Lord, help some, some dads today re, re, renew a resolve to be that dad. And I pray that all of, us wouldn't be, all of it wouldn't be for us, but it'd be for your glory, for your namesake. I pray that you'd be honored in all of it. I pray that you move and you work. Thank you for speaking through your word. And I pray in Jesus' name, Amen.